Hi, everybody. I am Peter Travers, and this is Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And there's a movie now called The Florida Project that you have to see immediately. Um, you know, I don't know exactly how to describe it, and I don't think people really should tell you too much. So I really don't need my guest, Willem Dafoe, here to do it. But so there, there you go. But I want to say before I introduce him that a lot of people are saying he should be nominated for an Academy Award for this. I don't agree with that. I think he should win. So, well, <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Come on. Thank you. This is great. You having the daring to do a movie with six-year-old children. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> oh, I know it. I can learn things from you. <laughs> I bet you can. <laughs> Just steal. Um, you know, the, the director, Sean Baker, mixes... Mm -hmm. Actors, new actors, older actors, first-timers, children, just plain folks in, into his cast. Um, and I knew this was uh, his way of working, and I get, I get excited by that because I think, you know, part of your job as an actor is to disappear into the fabric of the world. And this world is very specific, and it's helped very much by having people that are non-actors in it because it sets the tone of the kind of performances there are. And the performances are not showy, I don't think, and they're, uh, they're very rooted. They're very rooted in reality. But these are... These the kids in particular are very, you know, they aren't... They aren't children acting as adults. They aren't even children being actors. Mm -hmm. They're children. They are. They're playing. They're, uh, there's something very, um, you know, clean about what they're doing. And it's not like we, like Sean, cut around them to mm -hmm. give a performance. They're there in a very present way because he set up a situation that um, they, they felt like they were playing and they were doing things rather than feeling the obligation of you know, making a big performance or delivering a message or doing a story or, you know, they were doing scene by scene. But let's set this up for those people. The Florida Project, indeed, that was the name that Disney had when they were in the planning stages of yes. Disney World in Orlando? Yeah, yeah. Um, The best way without ruining the story for people that are kind of don't like spoiler, spoilers is let me describe the world. Okay. It's a world uh, in Kissimmee, it's central Florida, it's very close to this center of uh, amusement parks, and uh, it's a series. It's a strip with a series of motels on it, and those motels were budget motels for tourists mm -hmm. for many years. And after the financial crash and the housing crisis, a lot of people had trouble finding homes, ones that they could make the rent that they could that they had. They they weren't stable enough economically that they could get the down payment or, or the security deposit. So they had to find a way to live. And one of the ways they would live is they'd go to these cheap motels and live there. Many people in a room. And what happens is they become temporary long-time residents. And these, these motels do exist, not only in Central Florida, in many places. They're kind of, we had that a bit of that, uh, a similar thing with SROs in the 80s in oh, New, right, York, yeah. mm -hmm. New York City. It's a way for them to survive, but it's not a very satisfying way because it's very precarious life and it's not, no good to have a whole family living in a small motel room. It's not good for the children. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, and, and these are people that... Uh, these are people that struggle. Some of them have jobs, but they just can't make it. 
Well, we see that, but the the thing that's most moving to me, I mean, the movie can be really funny. The kids oh, are yeah. really funny. It's, <clears throat> it's seen through the kids' eyes, so don't get the idea that it's a, a finger-wagging, depressing movie. It's yeah, very, no. it's very um, the sweet, you know, chaos of these children, the mischievous of but it. they don't know that they're poor. Exactly. They don't really, it's, they're that, just hanging this out This is their normal. This yeah. is their normal. And they're kids, so everything's a little more ten- intense, they're a little more exciting, a little more new. So... I think Sean, the director, captures that that imagination, that mischievousness of these kids living in the motel that are hanging out. And then as a shadow, you see their their parents who are struggling to make ends meet. And somewhere you you recognize that if these kids stay in this cycle, they're going to become their parents or they're going to be in a similar situation. Now, you've left yourself out of this since I know you do not play a six-year-old in this movie, you are the <laughs> manager of the Magic Castle, yes. which sounds so wondrous. <laughs> you know? Not so much. Not so much. <laughs> so who is this Bobby without Bobby, spoiling? Bobby is a guy that is a manager. He's a, a quite normal, uh, working-class guy. He's not that different than the people in the motel. He's just got a job. He's you know, a paycheck ahead of them. Uh, and his job is to run the motel, run it smoothly. But uh, he's not, um, he's a good-hearted guy, but uh, <laughs> he also uh, is not, you know, he's limited. He has to wear lots of hats. And the thing that I like about him is, here's a, here's a the, in the story, there's no big dramatic scenes, really, and there's no big transformation, but you do see... Uh, I mean, he's a complex character because he has to deal with people in many different ways. And I think uh, what was surprising for me is I just really concentrated on running that motel and playing the scenes. That was your method in that? More Did or you less, actually just more take less, over there? More or less, <laughs> yeah. because it, it helps you, you know, to have very concrete actions mm-hmm. and a very concrete, um, you know, reason to be. Um, so that's, that's how I approached it. But with time, I started developing relationships with the people that I had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And those people became my people, and I started to identify with them. So it was, I was a, it was an interesting process, and I think that also happens in the story. It's the best description of the movie, because you don't know, you're going into this area that you probably know nothing of. It's a world. And then those people do become your people. Yes, and you recognize that also, you recognize that could be you. And somewhere deeply, I think, you start to wonder what your responsibility is to the people that, you know, have that struggle, you know, and how that infects your well-being. Well, what's it like, especially with Brooklyn? You know, talk a little bit about her. Brooklyn she's is Mooney. The, uh, she's the, Brooklyn is Mooney, who's really the central character. She's a six-year-old girl. Um, she's a natural performer. She, she, when we do Q&As after screenings, mm-hmm. you know, she always says, I've been acting, you know, since I was two. <laughs> <laughs> Which, she's very poised, very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she's, she can improvise. She's a talented kid, mm-hmm. but she is a kid, mm-hmm. above all. Um, so working with her, the kids, you know, the real-life experience informed the fiction. 
because the kids, I loved them. They were good kids, and I loved being around them, and we made, as you do when you make a film, particularly on a real location, mm -hmm. they became a family. But also, they were a big pain, because <laughs> in order to let them be, feel free, you know, I had to... I had to fit in with them. I, it was their world. I had to, you know, uh, deal with them. Um, They're not intimidated by your body of work, are they? They don't know. <laughs> they don't right. know. But I, I maintain once you get in, you know, even when you admire someone, once you start working mm -hmm. with them, you know, it, things shift to the concentration on the work. Mm -hmm. But they didn't know. You know, I don't make that many children's movies. I noticed that. You know? <laughs> I've made some. A little bit. But also, six-year-olds, you know, five, six-year-olds, they aren't watching a lot of, they aren't even necessarily watching Spider-Man from ten years ago, you know? Oh, no, that's like ancient history. Ancient yeah, history. <laughs> Your so, Green Goblin is just, uh, that's like two Spider-Mans back. That's like, you know, yeah, there's I, he, <laughs> he was around when Jesus was, <laughs> was Well, you played that, around. too. You know, yes, that's true. You basically that's have true. covered the waterfront <laughs> in terms of the kinds of things that you've done. People have this very strange feeling about you that that's that you play um, bad guys all the time, but yeah. you don't. You know. Thank you, Peter. You don't. Thank you, Peter. And you were Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, you know, Peter. Right? It's it. You know. But this is the most compassionate you. Since you played Jesus. Okay. It really is. Okay. And when people bringing up this Oscar talk, mm -hmm. what, how does that affect you? Do you just let it... Hey, you know, look, I'll be honest. It sounds good to me. <laughs> you, you won't throw it away. You no. won't give one of those... No. Yeah. No. Well, I don't see the point of it. And, you know, this is a small movie. I hope it gets seen. And, and this is where uh, critical response and... and uh, a warm response at festivals helps because it shines a light mm -hmm. on the smaller films that uh, don't always have the, you know, uh, the placement that, uh, let's say, a big studio film with uh, lots of um, familiar faces well, yeah. uh, has. But you've done all of those kinds of things. You've just, you have done it all, but there's something <laughs> special about this one. Sean Baker, who did oh. the last movie he made, uh, Tangerine, he basically shot on an uh, iPhone. Yes. You know, yes. now you had this real is cam. A real camera, 35, and lots of, uh, a really great DP, Alexis Sabe. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, very different than shooting with an iPhone. Uh, <laughs> but Sean, He did great with the iPhone. Tangerine is a really, he really did. wonderful movie. Yeah, it's yeah. true. His way of working. You know, he, he really roots things with many elements that already exist. And, in the, you know, this, this movie, some people think a lot of it's improvised. Some of it is. But we started with a very strong script. And we did shoot the script. And then occasionally we'd go off script and do some other things. I think with the kids, there might be more than one occasion that you would go off There script. were. There were, and also sometimes, uh, you know, a certain light would present itself or a certain situation, you know, birds would wander into the parking lot, <laughs> these kinds of things. Or, or we'd have to deal with the, the tourist helicopter next door that was <laughs> always taking off, ruining all our takes, uh, sound takes. That must you know? have been very pleasant. All know? of these things we had to deal with. So... 
um, once you're dealing with them, you start to accommodate them and, and accept them into the story and, and sometimes embrace them mm -hmm. and use them to, uh, you know, develop the story further. When I'm thinking of you in Oscars and I go back to the first one for Platoon, right. you were a nice guy in that. It's true. That Sergeant Elisa was a good guy. It's true. He was compassionate toward people. But he was also a soldier, and he also killed people. I know, but look, where was he? Yeah. You know? It's true. He, had, he wasn't on the streets. It's true. You know, it's killing true. people, doing that. And then, of course, when we did Shadow of the Vampire, though, you weren't such a good guy. <laughs> but he was just living his life, his kind of life. <laughs> but the, that makeup My, that you had, it was just perfect. No, know? it was beautiful makeup yeah. and a beautiful opportunity and beautiful character. I mean... Uh, that was fun because I had such a strong mask. You know, you felt differently. You moved differently. Mm -hmm. It really invites you to feel different impulses. Mm -hmm. It's an actor's dream to be taken away from yourself mm -hmm. that way and, and to create something. So that was, no, that was really therapy. fun. That was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about therapy, Peter. <laughs> You're probably right. right. You have to do that. But you're still the only actor to ever be nominated for an Oscar for playing a vampire. Yeah, I guess that is so. yours. You okay. can own that. Okay. Let for, anybody for else now, come out for there. Now. For now. I mean, vampires are eternal. They'll weave <laughs> they their are. ways into But they stories. have their moments where they're... But when that happened in those two times where you were nominated, yes. I'm sure it was a good thing. Very good thing. How very different because, like, the first time, you know, there was a different kind of awareness. Um, you know, I remember my son's babysitter called me up to tell me that I was nominated. You babysitter know, knew. <laughs> the babysitter knew before I did. Mm -hmm. The second time, there was a certain anticipation. There was a certain, I was aware of it. Um, there was even a certain amount of, um, you know, you, you had a different awareness. Just because uh, the value of the um, Awards, there's, there's an awareness of it uh, when there wasn't when I first started out. Does it change your life in any way? Do you get like, more offers than you originally would? What happens when that goes on? Um, I think it helps. Uh, particularly the, the first time I was nominated, it, it kind of lifts you out of uh, the pack a little bit because it, you know, it's, a, it's a distinction. It's a, something of a verification of, of people's interest in you or their appreciation. Um, and, you know, you don't get too crazy about what it means. Uh, you just know that it's, it's voted by peers. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just like movies. It, very many factors go into why something, whether a movie is received well or not. And you consider those things, and you embrace the positivity, and don't let the negativity get you down. This just sounds like therapy. You keep on Did going you to go? therapy. I, I had I've to never, go. I've never, I've never been so to therapy. So when you're sitting there, I've never and the camera is on you, yes, and they're saying, and the nominees are, uh. and the other guy wins. Yeah. What do you, you know, you don't say you're just you, totally okay you, about you, it. You don't go. Will I'm <laughs> At least that has to be no, going. No, I on. think I think. Uh, listen, I, I, the times I've been through it before, it's really true. You're just happy. You you take the good, you know. Yeah. And to be nominated would be great. And then if you um, 
would win, that would be even greater. Mm -hmm. That's what I remember that. As we come to a, an, an ending of this, yes. and there were, a Martian came down yes. and said, I want to know you, um, I want to know what you have done that you feel represents you as an oh, actor. Oh, God. What would those two or three movies be? What would you pick? I would refuse. I'd say You'd man, say no to a Martian? I'd say no to That's a Martian. That's so you. He's so fast that I, I you know, show my IMDb <laughs> page, <laughs> telling him to track down all the movies if he could find them, and, uh, you know, strap him to a chair and uh, force feed him all the movies, and then he could tell me what he thinks. That's so perfect. And I'd there's be interested like, in that. There, there's, nobody has ever come up with the idea of strapping the Martian down and force feeding him your entire oeuvre. It's like, it's like Malcolm McDowell, you know, in, uh, wow. in Clockwork Orange. You know, we get the little things that open his eyes. Force and, the eyes yeah, yeah. to be open and yeah. wh while the Martian's watching Antichrist or something. Antich it would just be perfect. Antichrist would be a good one for See, the Martian. See, I would put that, I would give the Martian that one first. That's a good one. Yeah. That's, Peter, you can help me with this. I what can help you, you but... What, what would you say? Well, I mentioned a couple of them already, okay. you know. Last Temptation's key. Well, I think, you know, to play Jesus, that could have, like, destroyed you, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yet, you came through it. Yeah, it was one of the best... Uh, film experiences I've had, yeah. But I don't want to be the Martian. I want the Martian to be tortured by you <laughs> okay. when he comes down. That's okay. the way it's going to be All right. for now. Okay. But we end, as you know, in song, always. And I'm sure there's a song in your heart this morning. Oh, okay. Uh, let me think. Oh, no, I'm trying to think. No, I know. Oh, it's all fine. the good songs think. I know. Uh, you can think. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they were How the about that? Okay. I love to go swimming with Naked women and between their legs when I get under like thunder. I edited that out. Was that, it was perfectly <laughs> done though. Thank you, Peter. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank I did, you. I thank you and it. damn you. <laughs>